Check levels, check. Peter, check levels. Peter, check levels, that's good. They thought it couldn't be done. Ajax are doing it. Rumor have risen from their ruins. Nonetheless, the Greek god in Rome. The unthinkable unfolds before our eyes. Welcome everybody to the final countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis, here again with my co-host Adam. Hello there. So, Adam, uh, unlike you, I have done my homework, and I would like to take you back in time. Have you? To the, the appeal of this game is that we didn't know what we were talking about. Look, it's 1962, yeah, okay? Yeah, i got very little there. Exactly. Oh, no, I've got a couple. Cuban okay. Missile Crisis. Very good. That's the Come first on. one. That is the first one on my list. The Cuban Missile Crisis ends. Uh, there is another one to do with the World Cup. It's just the headline of the World Cup. Um, Brazil won the World Cup. Very good. Who did in they beat? Chile. Uh, I can't tell you who hosted it, but I'll, you are the World Cup man. So. Uh, Czechoslovakia. Very good. Can, do you know the score? I'll be amazed if you get the hat trick. 3-1. Oh, Adam Maxwell. Take a bow, son. I'm looking forward to World Cup final week. That is impressive. Uh, so uh, alongside that, back in 1962, uh, Marilyn Monroe would sing rather famously to President uh, oh, JFK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the happy birthday song that mm. was... Way too seductive for public broadcast. Don't sing it to me. I we've got way too much. Eye we'll contact. do it off mic. I'm looking away. <laughs> uh, but she would unfortunately end up dying later that year following a drug overdose. I didn't know she died before JFK. Yeah. Wow. Okay. JFK died '63. That's so, right. Wow, yeah. wow. Didn't um, know that. I'm always learning on this podcast. Exactly. Right? So we're educational as well <laughs> as fun. <laughs> Should we are tags. <laughs> I'm searching for an educational yet fun podcast. Well, we've got the one for you. Uh, rather topically, the polio vaccine is completed and then rolled out to millions across the globe to help eradicate polio. You know who got that done? Boris Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He's the vaccine man, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Steptoe and Son debuted on British TV. Really? Yeah. Why? Now we're going back a bit. Um, this is where we really know our audience because anyone that is 30 or younger mm. will not have a clue what I'm on about. Well, step to son probably nailed that one, mate, for sure. <laughs> yeah, true. But 30 and over will be like, oh, I remember that. Great TV. Uh, apartheid was, this is crazy. So apartheid in South Africa was officially recognised and condemned. So it took them in 1962 to go, you know what, this doesn't seem great. Uh, and then Nelson Mandela was arrested. I said it year. didn't end for another 30 years. No, it was okay. it was officially condemned, right. which basically just means politically people go, oh, that's not very good. Brilliant. Yeah, great. Are the FA running so that? <laughs> yeah, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Uh, and then the final two facts I have about 1962 is that Dr. No, the first Bond film, is released. Is it? So it's the start of Bond in 1962. Go on. A young Sean Connery. Uh, and then Love Me Do by the Beatles is released. 62. 62, right no near way. the start of their uh, boy band phase. So 62 in some ways is the beginning of modern culture. That is a great headline, and I actually back that up. I think there's a lot there from yeah. what we've just discussed to kind of, yeah. To, Craziness. To, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the actual facts. Well, there we go, mate. Fun and educational. <laughs> Uh, but we're not here, unfortunately, no. to give a roundup of 1962. Uh, we are here to talk about the European Cup final that year. Adam, do you know anything about the 62 Cup final? Um, only that you have a semi. So it's Eusebio Correct. and Benfica. Correct. I vaguely remember when we did the United 68 one that Benfica were the European powerhouse, uh, certainly in the early 60s. So I think this is maybe a period of dominance for them. Interesting. Um do I know, have you told me who, it's, who they're against? I don't think I've mentioned it yet. Is it Real Madrid? It is. So they're the other powerhouse exactly. from around that time. So in, I guess in a sense, it's 
it's the equivalent of like a Real Madrid Liverpool now type thing. Yeah. So um, basically, Real Madrid. Uh, I'll, I'll Man go City on. fans will love that. <laughs> yeah, of course they will. Where's the Champions League final, mate? Chokers, aren't they? Absolute chokers. <laughs> Every week. Every week. Anytime <laughs> I can. Going back to our actual game that we're focusing on yeah, today. Sorry. Uh, it is Benfica versus Real Madrid. You are quite right. Both of them were powerhouses. But Real Madrid, astonishingly, since the European Cup started, um, they had won five in a row. The first five European Cups ever right, had yeah. all been won by Real Madrid. They had, like, d- dominance is a... Is a it almost seems like too weak a word. They were the European Cup. Yeah, I was just thinking that Judge Dredd thing. I am the law. Like Real Madrid were the they were the European Cup. Yeah, uh, and so they won the European Cup five times in a row. They were eventually dethroned the year before by Benfica, who had got to the final with uh, City. Well, nation national rival, sorry, Barcelona. Right. So Benfica in sixty one had beaten Barcelona three two in the final to be the first non Real Madrid winning. Champion, right, okay. European Cup yeah. uh, winners. So they had beaten Barcelona the year before, and then in '62 they get Real Madrid get back to where they belong, European Cup final. So even though Benfica were the reigning champions, Real Madrid were still the favourites. They had almost had a blip yeah. in not reaching the final. Uh, who the who had they lost to in the semi? Was it in the semi? I'm assuming. So they had lost to Barcelona, but it was just in the first round because uh, that was just when they happened to meet. There was only four games back then to get oh, to. That the must European have been a bit of final. a shock, man. Yeah, Five so it was times a, in a row, and then they lose in the first round. So it was over two legs that first round back then, um, oh. and it was a two-all draw to begin, and then a two-one win for Barcelona. So they just managed to get past oh. Real Madrid. Um, so it was basically the flip of a coin whether Real Madrid would have made it to a sixth final. Um, but nevertheless, after that little blip of being knocked out by their national they rivals, back. they were back uh, and they were bitter and they were angry. Uh, which is not what you want a Real Madrid team to be. So Miguel Munoz was an ex-player turned manager for Real Madrid, and he would he was taking them to this final. He was their manager. Uh, he was in charge for sixteen seasons. It was wow. a different time back then. Wasn't it, it was, wasn't it? But uh, as sixteen uh, seasons, he won the European Cup twice and nine La Ligas. Uh, so he was a very successful player, very successful manager. Um, so Miguel Munoz, who obviously because of the era that this is in, doesn't ever really get spoken about, yeah. but clearly was a, a very good manager. Uh, Real Madrid also. Again, we're kind of useless. It's amazing how their identity over 70 years is still pretty much the same. Real Madrid had the world's best players assembled, especially Jose Santa Maria, Luis Del Sol, Francisco Paco Gento, uh, Ferenc Pushkas, and Alfredo Di Stefano. Yes. So we are talking about literal legends of the game. Yeah. People that. Pushkas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Pushkas. Well, what a player, the general, but we'll talk about him a bit more. <laughs> the, the reason I, the entire reason I wanted to do this final is because I get to basically just rant about some of these players that I have idolised as a armchair football fan uh, over the years and and to talk about how good they were because of the era it never gets spoken about yeah. obviously the furthest we tend to go back is Pele Maradona that's really as far TV, as TV isn't it really that's, yeah, that's the yeah, thing that's, that's a really good point yeah in answer to Real Madrid superstars Benfica could only really answer with one Eusebio so in 1962, his first need, full mate. season, he played and scored two in two at the end of the 1961 season. So he'd signed the year before, but only played two games. Yep. He scored two goals. Because, yeah, exactly. Uh, and he would, in this season, 1962, Eusebio for Benfica would score 29 goals in 31 appearances. Wow. So almost a goal a game. Um, they weren't a total one-man team, but they were definitely not at the level of Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, but... And this is the main reason of this entire report. They did have a wild card to play. Benfica had a manager named Bella Gutman. Remember the name, Bella <laughs> Gutman. So I am literally, for about five minutes, going to talk about Bella Gutman now because he is a astonishing manager for everything he achieves on the pitch, but also for everything he was off of it. So 
just come on a journey with me as we talk about the life and times of Bella Gutman. So it's worth noting that like Hungary, 1953, were the world's number one ranked team. They were Olympic champions. They were running 24 unbeaten games. Uh, And England, who were obviously the birthplace of football, played a game which would be known as the match of the century. And Hungary would batter England 6-3. First time England lost at Wembley. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it led to a whole overview in the British press and British football system of going, we've just been schooled in our own backyard yeah. and absolutely embarrassed. So Hungary, nowadays, we look at them and they're not a football powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination, but they were back then. So it's worth noting, Bela Gutmann, who was Hungarian, yeah. um, was part of this early uh, wave of new tactics and uh, brilliance coming from Hungary. Uh, he was a player and he won two championships as a tough centre-back uh, for MTK in Hungary. Hungary, um, but he had to leave Hungary, he had to flee from Hungary because he was Jewish, uh, and he moved to Austria in 1922 due to the oppression going through Eastern Europe at the time, uh, and then he went on to win the league uh, with a Jewish-only team in Austria, which is oh, kind of cool. So yeah. as a player, he knew what it was to win, he fled to another country, started a Jewish-only uh, yeah. team, and they managed to win the league, which is very cool. Um, he only had a few international caps, though, as he often, often sorry, fell out with the bigwigs. Uh, Hungary went to the 1924 Olympics. And he was upset that there were more officials taken there than players. So it was a bit of a jolly for the Hungarian FA, for want of a better phrase. Uh, And so he was a bit pissed off that they had put more effort into the lighter side of it than actually worrying about football. So the hotel was suited to drinking and socialising and was not suited in any way to the footballers' needs. So in protest, he nailed dead rats to the hotel room doors of the officials. Bloody hell, man. (laughs) It's extreme. Just put a note under the door. Also, how was he finding the rats? Like is he is he so in the middle of the night about the hotel? I think. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. But so he went through and started nailing dead rats to the doors of the officials in protest. So you can understand why he literally got like four or five hungry caps. I don't think they were a fan of him. Was there a the question Olympics. at any point, like Bella? Did you kill the rats before you nailed them? I'm not going to ask a man with nails and yeah, a hammer yeah. <laughs> what he did. I'm that's just I mean. going to leave him to. Well, of course, it, they're yeah. dead when they got a nail through their <laughs> yeah. head on the door. But like, what happened? Were they still that? kicking and yeah. screaming? Yeah. Uh, so moving on from that in 1926 he went to tour the US for Vienne his uh, Austrian team and he ended up staying just chose to stay he went on tour <laughs> just pre-season and then went wow. sorry lads you go back home I'm going to stay here um, his wife was pissed <laughs> Bella Gutmann is uh, eccentric to say the least so yeah. before the war broke out uh, he did manage a team in Romania but because there was a famine at the time he didn't ask for money he wanted his wages paid in vegetables so this is the kind of guy he is so yeah. uh, which you know to be fair when there's a famine going on makes a lot of sense yeah. but it's a great headline of a man wanting to be paid in vegetables rather than money absolutely um, this I have to lower the tone slightly but it is what from the dead rats well lower it in terms of everything else that's come before this is comical this is just heartbreaking really so uh, as war broke out he was eventually caught and sent to a Nazi forced labour camp near Budapest where he was tortured uh, years later he reminisced our sergeant sorry Learned how to torture people, talking about in the camp. Yeah. Uh, was I a footballer from the national team? Was I a successful coach? Was I even a man? It didn't matter. You had to forget all about it with the treatment they gave you. Uh, he managed to escape in December 1944, um, and just before he was about to be sent to Auschwitz concentration camp, uh, together with Ernest Erbstein, another famous Jewish-Hungarian coach, his 78-year-old father, his older sister, and wide family were all murdered in Auschwitz. So he managed to avoid that, uh, essentially for himself but it was obviously heartbreaking yeah. uh, for what he had to go through but once war had ended he um, 
carried on managing football, and in 1947, he managed Honved in Hungary, uh, succeeding Ferenc Puskás's dad. So Puskás Sr. Uh, was the current manager, and uh, Puskás Jr. J- Jr. was in that team. No way. So uh, Bela Gutmann, who obviously in this final would be managing opposite yeah. Ferenc Puskás, who was yeah. playing, uh, had once uh, managed him years and years previously and taken over from Puskás's dad. So interestingly enough, uh, during a game in 1947, uh, Bella Gutman substituted a fullback who was having a really bad game. That's fine. Yep. Is it Until Michael you remember. <laughs> yeah. It's Mike Lessian playing out of position at right back. He said, Excuse me, Avram, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> he kept shooting for 48 yards. <laughs> you bloody stop it, Michael. So it doesn't sound, that sounds like a completely normal thing. Substitute your fullback, he's having a terrible game. This was 1962. There were no substitutes. Oh, wow. He decided it was better for his team to play with 10 men wow. than to play with this guy who was having I mean, that's a terrible a game. Yeah. Can you imagine having that your self-confidence? Com- gone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was at this point that Ferenc Pushkas Jr. told the player to ignore Bella Gutmann and to stay on the pitch. Oh, wow. So in response, Bella Gutmann sat down, he opened up a newspaper, he read it for the rest of the game, and at full time, he left the stadium and never came back to the club. So he Why just, did he stay? He just resigned after reading his paper uh, because he couldn't stand the fact he that a player like a nut him. We're only just about getting to this. So we fast forward a few years. I can't go through his whole... We could do a Bella Gutman podcast. Yeah, you really yeah. could. But we fast forward a few years and he gets a massive job in Europe. So he comes over to manage AC Milan. Uh, right. Managing an incredible team with the three famous Swedes, Gunnar Gren, Gunnar Nordal and Nils Liedholm, uh, known as Grenoli back then, which I like. Uh, so he, he was a top. Uh, he was top of the league in his second season uh, when he was fired by the chairman after numerous arguments. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but he was top of the league and uh, unfortunately it's a real... <laughs> I put it in because it's so outrageous, but it's obviously a terrible thing to say. Bella Gutmann was quoted after having been sacked. I have been sacked even though I am not a criminal nor a homosexual. So Bella Gutmann is an wow. unusual man. So that is that is his protest after being sacked. Um, but this made him place a clause in each subsequent... Um, interestingly, in my notes, I've written podcast. I didn't mean to put podcast, but in each subsequent podcast that Bella Gutmann did, uh, or job role, he said that he couldn't be fired if he was top of the league, which actually I think is a great clause. Yeah. If you are top of the league, don't matter how much of an arsehole you are. What a, str- <laughs> what a strange thing to feel the need to put in. As well, when you're that combustible, yeah, I guess true, you have yeah, to protect yeah. yourself. Uh, so he put in that clause. So uh, in 1957, he went back to managing, uh, managing Honved again and toured with them on a pre-season tour of Brazil and decided to stay. So, like he had done as a player, he just stayed in the country, wow. let, let Homved go back managerless, uh, and he got a job managing Sao Paulo. <laughs> I know. So, uh, and it was while in Brazil that he helped popularise the 4-2-4 formation, uh, which took Brazil by storm and was subsequently used by Brazil as they won the 1958 World Cup. So his tactics, he brought a brand new style oh, of football right. to the whole um, country, yeah. and Brazil adopted that as a, a national team, and it went on to win the 1958 World Definitely. Cup. So now his legacy truly began. Though he comes back to Europe eventually, he comes to Porto in Portugal, uh, and he pips Benfica to the title despite when he joined them being five points behind. So uh, he joins Porto, wins the league, comes from behind, is an absolute legend. Uh, the next season, he then signs for rivals Benfica. So he leaves Porto after winning the league with them. He fires 20 senior players for Benfica. So he kicks out the 20 first team players, uh, and incredibly, they go on to win the league the next two seasons using only youth players. What? Absolutely astonishing. And he does sign uh, Eusebio, of course. 
So, legend has it that Bella Gutman signed Eusebio after a chance meeting with another ex-manager of Sao Paulo in a barbershop. So, this Sao Paulo manager who uh, was on tour in Portugal in a barbershop just mentioned they played against this outstanding player um, when they toured Mozambique. So, um, yeah, Eusebio yeah. born in Mozambique. <laughs> Bella Gutman moved quickly and signed the 19-year-old under the noses of sporting rivals uh, SC Club Sporting. Yeah. So, uh, um, astonishingly, he's arrived at Benfica. He sacked... 20 first team players brought through the whole youth team yeah. won the league signed Eusebio won the league again so add this to the fact that they would win the European Cup for two years in a row obviously beating Barcelona last year and then they would end Real Madrid's dominance um, and become reigning champions so after winning the league in the European Cup for the second successive time he approached Benfica's board and asked for a pay rise which when you've brought that level of success to the club, you can understand asking for a pay rise. However, they denied him. And so the curse of Bella Gutman was born. So you touched on this in your Man United Benfica um, final that you Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he allegedly left the club declaring, not in a hundred years from now will Benfica ever be European champions again. And so the Bella Gutman curse was born. Gutman coached in 10 countries between 1933 and 1974. He won two European Cups and 10 league championships. He also coached Hungary, Austria. And when asked about his short tenures at every club he managed, he would often reply with, the third season is fatal. Which I can't help but feel like Mourinho was Mourinho, taken on yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. There's very much parallels. Like Mourinho is the closest we get to a Monday Bella Gutman. But this is the kind of guy he was. So uh, astonishingly, yeah, Eusebio, that curse, we'll get to in extra time. But right, the curse okay, of Benfica, I'll, I'll add that some questions on that, but yeah, okay. Uh, so, uh, and this is also just to say that obviously Bella Gutman was a genius tactician, a very combustible guy, but without Eusebio, he couldn't have taken Benfica to where they were. Yeah. So I am just going to say numbers at people, which I know might be boring, but really try and take this on board. So I'm just going to very quickly go through. It's like a maths teacher there, mate. I really just, try to get this boring really, stuff on board. It's because I'm about to read out um, 26 numbers. Okay. These are the appearances and then the goals of Eusebio every season at Benfica. Okay, cool. So it's appearances, then goals. Appearances, yeah, yeah. goals. 31, 29. Pretty good season. 39 appearances, 38 goals. 28 appearances, 46 goals. 36 appearances, 48 goals. 30 appearances, 37 goals. 33 and 42 goals. 35 games, 50 goals. 35 games, 29 goals. Bit of a bit of a lower return there. Yeah. He's losing his scoring He was touch. injured for six months. Uh, 28 games, 26 goals. 32 games, 35 goals. 37 games, 28 goals. 33 games, 42 goals. 28 games, 19 goals. And then his final season, when he finally had had enough, 13 games, only two goals. How many seasons did he play then? It's not loads. 13. Right. 13 seasons. So obviously my mind goes straight to Ronaldo and Messi's scoring yeah. record. Obviously he's not the same amount of seasons, but it must have been relatively on a par. Yeah, with the no, absolutely. Scored, yeah. yeah, no, like he's the only one that really comes close. Like Pushkas is a is a goal machine and we'll talk a little bit about him in this game yeah. um, but nobody else came close in terms of goal ratios like Di Stefano was absolutely astonishing yeah. but again it wasn't just goals he had everything else so um, despite Bella Gutman, despite Eusebio uh, Real Madrid was still the favourites uh, despite <laughs> Benfica being the reigning champions and the game turned out to be a firecracker so into the match we go So I'm obviously going to do the best to describe the match, but 
being 1962, there's not as much footage or write-ups uh, as you would imagine uh, for a European Cup final. But nevertheless, Madrid and Benfica go right for each other from the off. I think you mentioned this on last week's podcast, where back in the day, it was much more about win at all costs yeah. than it was about, let's save some face, let's uh, try and uh, feel each other out. They just go... At- at each other. So Paco Gento is causing all sorts of problems um, for Real Madrid, but disappointingly for uh, Benfica, as they push forward to attack, 18 minutes in, the ball is headed clear and clipped up the field by Di Stefano uh, to find a charging Frank Pushkas who drives into the area and beats Perea in goal to put Madrid 1-0 up 18 minutes in. So it's basically a long ball from Di Stefano from a clearance. Pushkas runs its route one through the centre, picks up the ball and slots past the goalkeeper without any fuss. And yet five minutes later, Madrid would twist the knife and go 2-0 up. So within 23 minutes, Madrid are 2-0 up. Everyone thinks, here they are. Yeah. This is the Real Madrid um, steamroller. Um, and it's again, Pushkas, the scorer, with the ball being blitzed home on the half volley from 35 yards out. Of course it is. Yeah, Frank Pushkas. They used to call him the little general. Absolutely astonishing mm. left foot. 20-odd minutes in. Real Madrid are leading. Um, But as an instant reply, Benfica score immediately to stop Madrid's uh, momentum through a free kick that ends up hitting the post and lands in front of Benfica captain Aguas to pounce on and prod home. Three goals within 25 minutes of an opening Champions League final. We'll never see this again. Uh, But Benfica eventually claw back to level pegging on 33 minutes. So they make it two all when the ball is chested down on the edge of the area and played um, for Cavum to lash home from 19 yards. So, ball's come in. Uh, Real Madrid defenders do claim a handball in the build-up. They were ignored. The ball is chested down and then Cavum just lashes home. And it is end-to-end as both teams go for the kill with the final goal of the first half coming from Ferenc Pushkas again on 39 minutes. So, it's good work from uh, Tejeda on the right as he drives wide. He cuts the ball back inside for Pushkas who runs parallel to the goal past two defenders and then lashes home again making it 3-2 to Real Madrid and a hat-trick for himself as they head down the tunnel for half-time. So, five goals in the opening oh, 45 minutes of a European Cup final. Ferenc Pushkas has scored a hat-trick, hat-trick. in the Champions nice. League final. Uh, so, so, uh, as expected, the second half is uh, swashbuckling, to say the least, with Benfica having uh, a header hit the crossbar almost straight from kickoff. Benfica do end up drawing level yet again on 50 minutes. So, right at the start of the second yeah, half, yeah. Benfica are back into it, three all, uh, through their attacking midfielder, Coluna, who scores with a sensational strike from 25 yards out straight into the far bottom corner. So, there's some great goals. Yeah. Um, there's a clumsy challenge, though, on Eusebio as he drives into the Madrid box to give the Portuguese superstar the chance to send the keeper the wrong way from the spot, and he gives Benfica the lead remarkably for the first time this game. Yeah. So, you Sabio scores from the spot and Benfica are finally in the lead at 4-3. Di Stefano then produces produces some wonderful dribbling to try and get Real Madrid into the game. Really starts taking the game by the scruff of the neck. Uh, But Benfica do tighten up in the remainder of the half and the game is eventually sealed with a second goal for our man Eusebio. Uh, 70 minutes in, the contest is basically ended as a free kick 20 yards out is rolled to the side for Eusebio to absolutely smash into the back of the net. And Benfica and Bella Gutmann would win consecutive European Cups. So at the end of the game, we see the first seven uh, European Cup finals have been won five times by Real Madrid, twice by Benfica, in eventually convincing fashion, yeah. despite Real Madrid's best hopes and a Frank Pushkas hat trick. That's a hell of a game. Absolutely. Yeah, absolute barnstormer. They don't make them like they used to. Uh, but with that, let's get into the extra time round. Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. 
So, uh, Ferenc Pushkas, who we've spoken a lot about a lot, uh, he became the first player to have scored a hat-trick in multiple European Cup finals, having also become the only one to ever score four goals in a Cup final in 1960. So, a man for the big occasions, yeah, right. it's safe to say. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think we'll ever see that again. Someone who not only gets a hat-trick in a Champions League final, but then manages to get them more than once. Uh, yeah, absolutely astonishing stuff. So, uh, Benfica, meanwhile, would reach another three finals before the close of the decade. Uh, they were denied three in a row by Milan in 1963, the following year. Oh, I was going to ask that. Right. And then they lost to their city rivals into Milan in 1965. And their last European final was in 1968. Uh, which they famously lost to Man United's Busby yeah, Babes, right. the Red Devils, as we learned they were called. Yeah. So uh, those are the three Champions League finals. So they didn't win it again? They have the not won it again. Oh, of course, the curse, right. The curse of Bella Gutman has stuck wow. fast. So you mentioned that, um, during that 68 final, Eusebio goes to the grave of Bella Gutman yeah. and asks for that um, curse to be lifted. Um, but unfortunately... It isn't, and to date, Benfica have been, so including Europa Leagues, or UEFA Cups, whatever yeah. you want to call them, to date, Benfica have been to eight European finals. You are kidding. And they have lost every single one. You are kidding. Even by law of averages. So you can understand that people genuinely believe this is a curse. I was going to say, that must be like a big story then. It's genuinely a big story. Like, wow. people make pilgrimages to Bella Gutman's grave to still try and release this curse. Eight when, finals. When did he die then? Ne- has he ever referenced it, Bella Gutman? No, so he tried to walk it back, um... It's one of those things where it's so difficult to separate myth from truth. But he tried to walk it back, I think, saying like he never had put it that bluntly. Like, yeah, he'd said some things he regretted, but he'd never cursed them. But it's very difficult. Like eight finals, any club getting to eight finals, even if you're underdogs, you would assume that one out of eight you will get. Like to have got to a final, you have to be a good enough team. So it is astonishing that they have... fell at every single hurdle when it's come to European Cup competitions. But has he um has he cursed Spurs as well? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. too enjoyable. Alright then <laughs> <laughs> there's too many memes coming to my head now. Um but yeah nevertheless that is uh, the Benfica Real Madrid final short and sweet but it's really about the life and time incredible of Bella absolutely incredible. So, I, like some of that stuff is just literally unbelievable. It's uh Yeah, that's been an education, mate. Fun and educational. And on that note, uh, let's leave this podcast here.